0: I'm Branson Stowell. And I'm Matt Sparks. And welcome to The Film Exchange, where two friends and film enthusiasts discuss the films that inspire them.
1: And today's special episode, we have a guest, Brian Barrios, returning to the podcast. Venezuelan filmmaker based in Brooklyn, a uh, good friend and filmmaker. Yeah, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> and today's film is Magic Magic, a 2013 psychological thriller written and directed by Chilean filmmaker Sebastian Silva and starring Juna Temple, Emily Browning, Michael Serra, and Catalina Sedino Moreno. The film follows Alicia, played by Junior Temple, who arrives in Chile to visit her cousin, Sarah, played by Emily Browning. Unexpectedly, Sarah is called away and Alicia is then stuck on a remote island with three of Sarah's friends. Bewildered, frightened, and unable to sleep, Alicia's reality becomes a waking nightmare. Her companions fail to notice the danger until it's too late. This film was picked by our guest Brian. Brian, why did you pick this film?
2: I watched this film when I was teenager back in Venezuela. HBO and Cinemax had like a channel and I would watch random movies there all the time and this was playing I only watched like half of it and ever since then I was obsessed I feel like this is one of those movies that just like stays with you yeah I was just really intrigued by it and I honestly didn't know what was going on in the movie and I know that it tackles a lot about mental health issues and and boundaries and and just a lot of things that I just did not understand at the time however I was fascinated by how complex and difficult this movie was years later i understood it a little more and and i i really liked it i i just i i don't think i've ever seen a film like that honestly and I've always been attracted to this movie. I'm. I'm it's so weird and uncomfortable and
0: I want to make a movie like this. What did you think, Branson? It definitely is not like something I'd seen before. I had never heard of Sebastian Silva. This film got me so curious about him that I actually watched the film Made that he had done four years prior to this that was sort of, in many circles still considered it to be his magnum opus because I'm going to be honest, Brian, I don't know. I don't know if I got it. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing can say about it is prosaic there's a lot of philosophical debate and internal torment and all this stuff going on but man these characters just drove me nuts in the worst way possible maybe that was the point but obviously this film is at least from my research is very polarizing people seem to love it or hate it i've read a lot of the literature on those that love it and i sort of understand but at the same time um think they're completely wrong
1: so wait what did you think of the maid the, his other
0: film yeah it was really good i think obviously this guy is a really accomplished i'd never really heard of him really powerful chilean queer filmmaker and i think the difference there was a level of coherency that i think was delivered better in the performances in
1: Maid. what do you think matt I wasn't sure what to expect. I think it does a really good job at establishing mood and like setting an eerie tone. Like, it's very definitely like Sebastian Silva, you could tell, was really good at that. And same with the DP, like, some of the shots in nature and everything are amazing. I'm not quite sure how I feel about everything as a whole. <laughs> like, the characters didn't really annoy me as much as they did Branson. I don't, I think that was part of the point. And I did think Michael Serres' character was interesting. 2013 was like that was Michael Sarah's moment because like Scott Pilgrim had just came out and Juno. I think he's branched out more since then, but at the time when you read all the reviews, everyone's like Michael Sarah trying drama. Does it work? Does it not? He was kind of the main reason that this movie got funded. While they were waiting for it to get funded, they made another movie. Crystal Fairy and the Magical Cactus.
0: Juno Temple's character is just this archetypal, obnoxious American tourist who just is like scared of the world. The way that the film set up, you're supposed to feel for her, that she's being alienated and these people don't understand her. There's this cross- communication barrier but i found myself on the side of those that were alienating her i was like this chick is obnoxious yeah michael Sarah's character was equally frustrating only because he's this puckish character that's supposed to be playful a little bit deviant but i guess you know like disorienting is i think the way that that was meant to be which i think part of the aim is to make you feel great discomfort
1: well i guess i agree with you that i found juno temple kind of annoying you don't always have to like your protagonists, you know what I mean? And that doesn't mean that she doesn't need help. It kind of puts you in a position of what those other characters were in Brink and Barbara. Cause like, I think when you are around people who suffer from mental illness and it can kind of become confusing, I feel like they just become a, a little bit of like a group think of like, oh, she's just being Alicia being Alicia. Like, you know, and I, I think it gets to the point where it's a little bit too late, obviously.
2: It's very interesting that you pictured Alicia's character, Juno Temple's character, as this American tourist and all that. Like that's that's the last thing I thought about. Alicia genuinely didn't want to be there. She's really going through something mentally and is really well portrayed. Throughout the entire movie, she did it. I don't think she slept at all. And Personally, I've suffered from that at some point in my life. And I really understand how like the body and the mind just become so, so sensitive and so fearful of everything when you don't get sleep. In, an in- On an interview, uh, Sebastian Silva was saying that, his biggest fear is to lose mental abilities when you can't control your mind anymore and it's the other way. And that's kind of what he was trying to do with with Alicia's character, where she just completely lost control of her mind. And somehow Juno Temple manages to get the craziest characters in every movie. And I love it. I mean, she became one of my favorite actresses after this movie. I I was reading an interview and he said that the movie was shot from the perspective of Brink and the perspective of Alicia. And they were flipping that constantly throughout the movie. Just to make sure that there's a balance where the audience doesn't know which perspective we are following and who do we hate? Who is bad? Who is good? Like,
0: there's this constant ambiguity in that sense. Like, I agree with you. I don't think you have to like the protagonist by any means. You know, when we're dropped into Alicia's story, we're sort of given these vague vignettes of what's happened that's led to this. And the insomnia, which is such an important key factor in this that leads to this level of irritability, is something that to me was explored in such a piecemeal manner it's almost like I wish that would have kept and been distilled into one theme that helps provide some basis and context for a lot of the, these characters conflict I mean but you're supposed to be disoriented and I recognize that I felt like when I was watching the movie I had also had a restless night
1: even though I had a full nine hours of sleep <laughs> I mean I feel like though you can agree right that it's great performance she's pulling out all of the tricks in this movie but I was going to say Brian what's your favorite
2: It has to be the hip gnosis that Augustine does on her one of the nights they they're in the living room and she still starts telling her that hey you're looking at this you're getting sleepy and now you're gonna obey whatever she just really goes for it and tying it back to the fact that she hasn't slept maybe in a week she actually gets in a sort of trance it might be hard for her to to notice what's real and what's not and she starts dancing she starts getting naked she like starts dancing really seductively and And then at the end, she puts her hand on the the fire and she burns herself, which is exactly what they were telling her to do. I don't know. That scene was just really disturbing,
1: (laughs) but I loved it. I wish the hypnosis was a little bit more integral into the film because it seemed like it kind of was going to be. And then after that scene, you're kind of like, forget about the hypnosis. It's where we get into the realm of the supernatural. And there was
0: this whole supernatural element to this film that transcended the real
1: <coughs> and made it magic. Magic. <laughs> the name is a little bit of a red herring because it's like, they, I don't think they even use the word magic in the movie.
2: The whole thing just makes no sense. The Everything about this movie is so weird. The cast is ridiculous, the cover, but that's why it makes sense. It's just like, it's it's incredible.
0: I wanted to ask you guys about what your thoughts were on two scenes. Let's start with the scene where she's kind of sleepwalks into Michael Sarah's room, pulls down her pants, and shoves his face in her crotch.
1: I thought it was uh, very spooky and moody. Brilliant.
0: I think it was out there and I didn't hate it. I think I actually might have liked it in retrospect.
1: Like that whole narrative of the sexual undertones was like present throughout and works better than I think some of the other ones, like the abortion one that was kind of half explored. I also have to
0: ask you guys about the final scene when they go to the, uh, where she gets so sick and they have to perform the ritual. What did you guys think? Coming
2: from Latin America, I genuinely feel like this could happen in real life. Fully. And it felt real. And the entire movie just feels like in a weird way, it feels like it could happen to you. I don't know. I feel like I've I've had versions of this movie in my life. Like I've, I've. it felt very
1: visceral. A few fun facts. Sebastian Silva was a musician before he was a filmmaker. But he was in a couple bands and he even has a solo album. Very punk. I was listening to it before this and it's pretty cool. I'd recommend it. I don't know if we said that,
2: but the director, Sebastian Silva, and Agustin's character, there's brothers their siblings in real life and it premiered as Sundance Sebastian was premiering two films that year
0: yeah this movie I will never forget I'm still sitting around thinking like magic magic why is it called that (laughs) because it's magic magic no it is not you know what it is it's tragic tragic (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: Thank you for being a guest on our show, Brian. If people wanted to follow you on the internet and your work, where could they find you?
2: Thank you for having me. And if you want to find me, just type my name and my last name on Instagram, Berrios Brian. Well, flipped. My last name and my name, Berrios Brian on Instagram.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. And please, please come back. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast on Magic Magic. Reach out to us on social media at Film Exchange Pod on Instagram and at Twitter, all one word. We would love to discuss other films. Any suggestions that you have, please send our way. And thank you again to Brian so much for being here. We hope to have you back again. I will. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs>